You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. He speaks to us as we're going about our business. Sometimes he speaks to us loudly through his word. He tells us and looks at us as you're reading his word, something will jump out at you. It's like the pages light up and boom, it comes out at you and you start studying and looking at different ways and he speaks and speaks and speaks and speaks. Sometimes in a circumstance, he'll speak loudly. He'll be there and you'll see it. He speaks to us. He tells us these things. He impresses stuff upon our heart. God directed Samuel and whom to anoint as king, and the instructions were out of the ordinary. Today, Pastor Dave will explain how God sometimes uses unusual circumstances or people to speak to and guide his believers. And though it didn't quite make sense, Samuel didn't question God, but obeyed. God is entirely trustworthy. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 9 as he continues his message, I Found a Crown. now for the day he came into the city. In other words, it just happened that Samuel was here. Really? It just happened? Remember when we were studying the book of Ruth? Ruth without gleaning in the field and it just so happened that Boaz came by that day. Yeah. If you're not seeing the providential hand of God in here, you're not getting the picture of what's going on here. Saul and his servant came looking for the donkeys on the same day that Samuel was in town. Mm-hmm. See, God, his hand is on everything here. Everything. Josephus writes this, that the Jewish legend says it was because Saul was so good-looking that the young women talked to him. It was taboo for these young women to talk to strange men. It was taboo for them to entertain strange men and talk to them. But because of Saul's appearance, they were drawn to him and they talked to him. Usually in this culture, they didn't speak to strangers, especially men. Look at verses 15 and 16. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear the day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow at this time I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him commander over my people Israel, that he may save my people from the hand of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people because of their cry has come to me. God has everything under control. God told Samuel, he's coming. I got him here. He's going to be here, and you're going to meet him. He had prepared Samuel for Saul's visit. Saul has no relationship with the Lord that we can see of. All he can do is speak about the lost donkeys. But Samuel knows and loves the Lord, so the Lord can speak to Samuel in his ear. And it's neat. The way it's phrased here, it actually means that the pulling back of the turban to speak in his ear. Because, you know, they wore those those turban things. The Lord told Samuel in his ear, literally, it uncovered his ear. The phrase is taken from pushing aside the headdress in order to whisper. And therefore it means that Jehovah had secretly told Samuel. We don't know if this was audible or not, but Samuel knew. Tomorrow is the time. God gave this prophet Samuel the very specific regarding future events. 
Samuel knew what was going to happen. Samuel received this guidance wisely and looked for the fulfillment of the words of God to confirm his choice in a king. Samuel was there to find a king for Israel. But Samuel was also wise in not manipulating the circumstances to make what God had said come to pass. Samuel took God at his word. Took God at his word. Samuel, go here and things will happen. Go here. I'm thinking of the Apostle Paul when his name was still Saul after he met Jesus on the road to Damascus and was blinded. The Lord appears to a certain servant named Ananias. And he says to Ananias, go down to a street called Straight because there is one Saul of Tarsus and he's praying. That's all he told him. I want you to anoint him. And then I said, Lord, Saul, the guy who's been killing Christians, the guy who's been dealing harshly with us, yes, he's, he's, he's a servant of mine. He's my chosen one. And Ananias got up and went. I truly believe that if God whispers in your ear, you need to be moving. I truly believe that if God calls you to do something, you need to be doing it. You need to be moving and doing whatever God is calling you to do. God speaks to us all in different ways. He's never spoken to me audibly. I don't know what I did if he would speak to me audibly. But he's impressed things upon my heart. He impressed things upon my heart. He called me down here to be a pastor by impressing something on my heart. He told me I was going to be a pastor in 1993 by impressing something on my heart and proving it through Scripture. He never spoke to me audibly, but I know it was him. I know it was his plan. God speaks to us in so many different ways. He uses circumstances to speak to us. He uses various things to speak to us. And yes, he will use a donkey if he has to. He will use whatever needs he needs to get our attention. Samuel didn't, Samuel didn't manipulate the circumstances. He was there doing the things that God had showed him to do. He was there for the sacrifice. That's what the girls said. He was there for a sacrifice. He was going about the normal things. And this is how God speaks to us during the normal course of everyday life. He speaks to us as we're going about our business. Sometimes he speaks to us loudly through his word. Tells us and looks at us as you're reading his word, something will jump out at you. It's like the pages light up and boom, it comes out at you. And you start studying and looking at different ways. And he speaks and speaks and speaks and speaks. Sometimes in a circumstance, he'll speak loudly. He'll be there. and You'll see it. He speaks to us. He tells us these things. He impresses stuff upon our heart. Samuel felt the way we should feel. If God says it, we need to believe that it will come to pass. If God speaks it in his word, we need to believe and have confidence that it will happen. It's going to happen because God is able to make it happen. I'll send you. Even though Israel had rejected the Lord God as their king, God was still in control. He didn't abdicate the throne. He didn't step off the throne just because Israel asked him to. He would have did give them a king, but he would also send them a flawed king. He would send them a king who had all kinds of problems. Because it was a flawed Israel to whom the king was coming to. You get the leader that you deserve. The king will save my people from the hand of the Philistines. Though there were many problems with the reign of Saul, one should not think it was a total disaster because Saul did lead Israel to many, many victories over the Philistines. Look what happens in verse 17. When Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, there he is. The man of whom I spoke to you, this one shall reign over my people. There he is. 
I love the relationship Samuel has with God. I love this relationship. God wants to have that kind of relationship with you. When we pray, when we ask God, it becomes a dialogue, not a monologue. It becomes a dialogue. Samuel was prepared to give Saul the message from God. Whether Samuel was happy about these changes in Israel's government was not important. What was important is that Samuel was in obedience to the Lord's call. Samuel didn't have a right to say yes or no. All he was saying was, yes, Lord. Remember in the third chapter? Remember Eli taught him? This is directly what Eli taught him. Remember lying in bed? And he heard, Samuel, Samuel. And he got up and I ran in and shook Eli. What do you want? What do you want? He said, well, I didn't talk to you. Happened three times. And finally on the third time, Eli said, wait a minute. The next time, the next time you hear that, say, here I am, Lord. And he did it, and it was the Lord speaking to him. Samuel knows the Lord speaks, and he wants, here I am. What do you want? What do you want me to do? And then remember, Samuel was faithful to do what God had told him to do, and it was pronounced a horrible prophecy on Eli and his sons at a very, very young age. So Samuel was tested. Samuel was tested and true. He got a very, very tough message that he had to present to Eli about his sons and about himself, Eli. And Samuel did it. So he's been tested by the Lord. Samuel does what the Lord tells him to do. We need to learn from this. We need to learn from this. As we go through scriptures and we read scriptures and we see certain things, we need to apply them to our lives. We need to do what the Lord is telling us to do. And the Lord is telling us all different things to do. He's not telling us all the same thing. He's telling us different because it's an individual relationship that you have with him. You don't have the same relationship that I have. I don't have the same relationship that you have. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. We all have personal relationships because the relationship that I have with the Lord is my personal relationship. Because I'm different than you and you are different from me. God tailors the relationship to you. However, he speaks the same and he doesn't change. In verses 18 and 20, then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and said, please tell me where is the seer's house? Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me to the high place For you shall eat with me today, and tomorrow I will let you go, and will tell you all that is in your heart. But as for the donkeys, they were lost three days ago. But do not be anxious about them, for they have been found. And of whom it is all the desire of Israel, is it not you and on your father's house? The word seer is roeh, R-O-E-H, roeh. And it occurs for the first time in this place. It literally signifies a person who sees beyond the normal or the natural. One commentator said this, a seer and a prophet were the same in most cases, only with this difference. A seer was always a prophet, but a prophet was not always a seer. Samuel invites Saul to stay with him and eat. I like that. They're going to have a meal together. I like that. At which time Samuel's going to tell him all that's in his heart. And oh yeah, by the way, Samuel, donkeys are safe. They're back with dad. Get, Get over it. So they have dinner and a special message from the seer. Can you imagine Saul's look? Can you imagine the look on Saul's face? There's one statement that must have shaken Saul to his robes. Of whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not you? Wow. I wonder if Saul knew that Israel had asked the Lord for a king. I wonder if Saul knew that Israel had rejected God and asked him to give them a king. When Samuel says something like that, 
He hints at Saul's destiny. All of Israel desired a king. And Saul would be the answer to that desire. Pretty neat. In verse 21, we see Saul has some modesty. Verse 21, Saul answered and said, Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel and my family of the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Then why do you speak to me like this? Saul began to understand what was being said to him. Why do you talk to me? I'm from the small tribe of Benjamin. This was genuinely a humble response by Saul, even if it wasn't completely honest, when he said he was the least of the Benjamites. Remember, he was very wealthy. He was very wealthy. But his humility is one of the reasons we believe that God chose him to be king. But as he got lifted up as king, the humility left, which is unfortunately so often the case. So why did God raise Saul? Why does God raise up to a place of prominence and not raise another? We sometimes think that it's because one is more spiritual, one is more holy or better. We often think that. We think that it's because one person is more talented or usable or has more faith than the other. These things may or may not be the case. I believe God raises up whom he wants to raise up for one reason. He's God. And we're not. He raises up whom he raises up. He chooses whom he chooses. He's sovereign. The biggest mistake we make is when we try to figure out all of God's reasoning for raising up someone else and keeping someone else low. I struggled with this for a long, long time. We started a fellowship in Upper Township, and we thought it was going to turn into a Calvary Chapel. This is long before Calvary Chapel of Ocean City. We met at a friend's of ours house. We went through the book of Genesis. took us 52 weeks. We were drawing 40 to 45 people every Sunday night for a Bible study in someone's living room. I was sure God was going to take that and turn it into a Calvary Chapel plant. I was positive. And I kept on praying, God, this is your study. You may do with it what you choose. Never thought he would close it. (laughs) I never thought he would shut it down. But God had a bigger purpose in plan. God had a bigger purpose in plan. We try to figure him out. We think God works on human terms and we can figure him out because we're smart. I got God all figured out. Yeah. I know exactly how he's going to act on this one. Oh, man. Let me know how that works out for you. God is unsearchable. He's unsearchable. Can't figure God out. Can't know how he wants to work. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Everything he does is a mystery to us in most cases. That's why many of the reasons are bound up in the unsearchable wisdom of God. What we should never do is assume that just because God is using a man, that he deserves it. Just because God uses people, that they deserve it somehow or more worthy than you. The moment you think you are worthy, you are in extremely dangerous territory. The moment you think that you are somehow worthy of God's love or worthy of being used by God, that is extremely dangerous territory. It is in danger with your relationship with God. One of the reasons God chose me to be here is because he likes to take the foolish things of the world and confounds the wise does that. Don't ever think you can figure God out. Don't ever think that you're worthy of anything that God gives you. Because the only thing we are worthy of is death. The only thing we are worthy of is to rot and burn in hell. 
but for his grace and mercy through Jesus Christ our Lord on the cross, that was all taken care of. The only worthy thing I have in me is the Holy Spirit that lives within me. As we finish out our chapter in verses 21 through 27, we see this dinner meeting. Saul answered and said, Am I not a Benjamite in the smallest of the tribes of Israel and my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Why then do you speak to me like this? Now Samuel took Saul and his servant and brought them into the hall and had them sit in the place of honor among those who were invited. There were about 30 persons. said to the cook, Bring the portion which I gave you, of which I said, Set it apart. So the cook took up the thigh with its upper part and set it before Saul. And Samuel said, Here it is. What was kept back, it was set apart for you. Eat until this time has been kept for you. Since I said I invited the people. So Saul ate with Samuel that day. And when they had come down from the high place and into the city, Samuel spoke to Saul on the top of the house. They arose early and was about the dawning of the day that Samuel called Saul to the top of the house saying, Get up, that I may send you on your way. And Saul arose and both of them went outside, he and Samuel. And as they were going down to the outskirts of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Tell the servant to go ahead of us. And he went on. But you stand here a while, but I announce to you the word of God. So already you see things that Samuel had told the Israelites would happen. Saul gets the best place in the seaton. He gets the best food. He's always taken care of because he's now the king. He hasn't been anointed yet. Saul is going to be anointed king by Samuel. Samuel anoints him by pouring oil over his head. Oil represents the Holy Spirit. Oil represents the Holy Spirit in Scripture. Always represents the Holy Spirit. Samuel anoints Saul with the Holy Spirit. Anoints him by pouring that over his head. The Lord wants him there. We can imagine, as we look at this, he had him sit in a place of honor. In that culture, any dinner had special seating protocol. The seat of honor was always on a particular side of the host. It was a great honor to be seated in this place next to Samuel. During the Last Supper, there was a seat of honor. The honored guests sat in that seat. It was the place right next to Jesus. Who got it? Judas. Judas got the place of honor. Judas got the place of honor. It was set apart for you, he says. Saul was also given a special portion. In the culture, every meal had to be a special portion that would be given to the one who was most honored. Saul was specifically honored at this meal. It's kind of like his coronation meal. We might imagine that Samuel was very interested to see how Saul would react when he was honored this way. Often the way one acts when they are honored shows what kind of person they really are. It, It does. It shows whether you're humble or not. If they receive the honor humbly without regarding too much or becoming proud about it, it says something about them. But if they show a false humility or a proud heart in a way that when they receive the honor, it also says something about their character. I would have loved to have listened to this conversation. I would love to have heard what Samuel said to Saul. I might put that on my list of things I want to ask when I get to heaven. I'll check out Samuel. Yo, Samuel, what did you say to Saul? But I would imagine Samuel told Saul all about Israel's desire for a king, all about Israel rejecting God, how upset he was that they rejected God, and he felt like they had rejected him. I'm sure Samuel told him all of the history of what was going on, and then the big one came, and they wanted a king. And guess what? Saul, what? God chose you. Wow. Can you imagine Samuel saying, look, Saul, 
you've got a lot going on, and you, you, know, you have an image, and you're a humble guy, and you know, we have the support to the people, but you really need to give your heart to God. Remember, Saul didn't have any spiritual being. Can you imagine Samuel witnessing to Saul? He said, Saul, you've got to give your heart to the Lord. You've got to love the Lord with all your heart. You've got to serve him only. This is what the Lord wants of you. He chose you to be a king. He chose you to be a king. Royal priesthood. You guys are royalty. God has chosen you and has given you a place of authority and royalty. A royal priesthood. Get close to God. Serve him only. Live up to your royalty. Live up to who you are. Sons and daughter. Prince and princesses of the Most High God. We need to live up to that calling. We need to live up to who we are, who God has called us to be. I'm sure that's what Samuel is telling Saul. I'm sure that's what he's telling him. You now have a responsibility, but you need to get to God first. You need to close in to God. This is a good lesson for us. This is a great lesson for us. Just like if Saul did not give his heart to God, he wouldn't be fit to be a king of Israel. If, if we don't give our heart to God, we aren't fit to be his children. It's a good lesson for us. If we don't submit ourselves to God, if we don't humble ourselves before his mighty hand, give him our entire hearts, we won't be fit for any service that he wants us to do or anything he wants us to do. We won't be fit. And he won't use us. Saul was a man who didn't know the Lord that well. I'm sure he went through Hebrew school. I'm sure he had knowledge of him. But there was no evidence in his life that he was following the Lord, that he was serving the Lord in any way, shape, or form. And now he's going to be king over the nation. He's going to take the place of God. God ruled over the nation. Now you have a man ruling over the nation. We really need to draw close to God. We need to make ourselves fit for the master's service. Fit for the master's use. We do that by studying his word, by praying, by fellowshipping one to another, by learning all we can and, and doing the things that we're told to do in the Bible and, and the scriptures, and by having our heart that would just open up to all God would have us do and say, think. I look around and I see so many things that God wants to do, so many things that God is, is really impressing come on my heart to, to do, and, that he wants to reach this community. He wants to touch the hearts of the people who are around us. He wants to show them his love. As the days fall shorter and shorter and the, the end of time is coming at a rapid pace faster than we've ever thought, God says there's a lot of work to do. I want people to be saved. I want to save your children. I want to bring back the prodigals. I want to save parents. I want to save your neighbor, your school teachers. I want, to, I want to save these people. I want them to come into my kingdom. We need to be prepared for that. We need to prepare for whatever God would have us do. I don't think Saul was prepared for this. I don't think Saul was prepared for this. Although he does some great things, he just doesn't set up, he doesn't do what he needs to do, and therefore God has to call another king. The king he had in mind all along. David. You are sure. We're so glad you joined Pastor Dave Shank today for A Sure Hope. This study in 1 Samuel has been taking you further into God's process of fulfilling promises. 
and it may not look like you'd always want it to. God gave a promise to David when he was young and unequipped to handle the magnitude of what was to come. God still gave him a glimpse to the future though, and we walked with David to help him grow and learn. God's plan included trials along with victories, but he was faithful to David throughout. Right now in our country, we are facing a trial never before experienced. Don't fear, God is as faithful to you now as he was to David. He will bring you through, and you can lean on Him for strength and comfort in the waiting. We'd encourage you to read ahead in 1 Samuel and discover for yourself how God works life out, and let Him encourage you through it. How can we be praying for you during this 1 Samuel study and during this unusual time in history? Please give us a call and let us know at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. We are pleased to be able to bring you teachings from God's Word on each edition of Assure Hope. If you'd like to hear more from this series in the book of 1 Samuel, visit assurehoperadio.com. There are several teachings on various books of the Bible available online for download, and we encourage you to share them with friends and family. That's all we have time for. Thanks for tuning in to Assure Hope.